You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, welcome back. Let's talk about fatherlessness. I am Sean Tice, your host. I'm excited to have a friend with me today, Dr. Clarence Schuller. It's great to have you. Hey, Sean, it's great to be on your show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I met you probably about seven years ago, six, seven years ago uh, at the Fatherhood Commission. You are on the board for the Fatherhood Commission, and you've always just been very friendly, very kind. And um, and then I got to see the work that you've done, the books you've authored, the ministry you've done. You have a just a very extensive list of of all kinds of accomplishments in ministry. And so, but you also have a story of fatherlessness. And so, I would love to talk about all of those things today um, and just unpack those different things. But before we do, would you just share just a little bit about yourself and where you're at now in ministry? Well, I'm in uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, it's my base. Uh, I'm president, CEO, and janitor for Building Lasting Relationships. We call it BLR for short. And it's really discipleship using through a lot of different venues. We help single people. We help married. We do some diversity training for organizations. And we're big on fatherhood. I just this year served my first year as chairman of the Fatherhood Commission. So we've just really been busy doing a lot of that. We were recently in um, Ukraine with my wife doing uh, marriage ministry for pastors and ministry leaders. So it takes a lot of different forms. And I have some spiritual sons who uh, some have dads, some have dads who are not really Christians. So they kind of come to me since I'm an older guy to kind of be their spiritual dad. So we, we're involved in a lot of different things. And as you said, I'm writing. I've got uh, three books in a hopper that I'm trying to get done um, for this next year. So we'll kind of see. But that's that's what we do. But we love people. We're trying to build lasting relationships. And it's really, really sort of discipleship just through some different different ways of doing it. That's so great. So why don't we just go ahead and go back to your story? Let's get started. Um, okay. Tell us tell us your story of your childhood. Um, I know you have a history. I think I believe you grew up fatherless. You just tell us about your yourself. Well, I, I didn't grow up fatherless. Um, I, th- I thought okay. I, yeah, I uh, my dad and I uh, weren't the best of friends as we were growing okay. up. My mom says because we're so much alike. Um, my dad was one of the smartest guys I've ever met, but he only had an eighth grade education because my grandfather made him stop going to school and work on a farm. Uh, but when I I met Gary Chapman when I was fourteen. About two years later, Gary introduced me to Christ. Um, and then I sort of had two dads. I had my biological dad, whom I love very much, as my hero and physically saved my life once. And then I had Gary Chapman. And uh, when I went, I went to the Moody Bible Institute, I was actually recruited at one point for Wake Forest to play basketball there. Wow. But long story. Uh, but anyway, I ended up going to a school called Moody Bible Institute. And um, I... My freshman year for Thanksgiving, I came home and introduced my dad and my mom to Jesus. So my dad and I, our relationship became very close. And my dad never told me he loved me, though. And so I remember he wrote me a letter that I really held on to until it fell apart in my arms, in my hands. And um, I started preaching when I was 17. So my dad wrote me a letter and he says, I saw a young man preaching today, reminded me of you, keep the faith. And that's as close to telling me he loved me as he ever would get. And uh, but the last time I was with my dad, I was 20 years old. We and we had prayed in my home, and he went out to do work, and uh, he never came back home. He was uh, he was shot and killed and, and robbed, and uh, I was 20 years old. And at that point, uh, I was fatherless, 
And then Gary Chapman, who had introduced me to Christ for all practical purposes, became my dad. And um, I went to Moody because I was kind of inspired by him when I ended up not going to Wake Forest. And I started playing basketball, played overseas. But he was the one I'd always talked to about pretty much about major decisions. And I would have gone to Wheaton College because that's where he went. But my, with my dad being killed, I went to a small school in Tennessee so I could at least get to my mom within seven hours, you know, if I had to drive a car or something like that. So, um, but then he and his kids and his wife became part of my family. So I'm this black kid in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, had thought about becoming a Black Panther until mm -hmm. I became a Christian because I said I wasn't going to take the racism stuff I saw my dad tolerate. And then becoming a Christian. Um, really was confusing for a while. I'm supposed to love everybody. So that was a real process and 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 just learn how to grow. Uh, at Moody was a very good school, but it was a very conservative Christian school. I was the first black guy to ever play basketball there. And people really didn't even talk to me until I started playing basketball. So that was kind of new. So I was dealing with racism within Christianity. Mm. But Gary was always my, sort of my foundation in a sense, where I could always go to. And so he and I have just become really close his his kids are like my younger brother and sister, and uh, his wife is kind of like a second mom. And so we become very close. I mean, in fact, um, the grandson was getting married this uh, summer, and Gary said, you need to be at the wedding. And so I showed up, I was at the wedding. And uh, I was one of the few people who looked like me at the wedding, but, you know, that was just how it is. So, so that's my story about a father image. And... Uh, uh, and so I've gravitated to older men who were really good with their wives, but also some be good dads and uh, and good granddads. And so I modeled that to help me be a good dad with my to be a good husband, but also be a good dad for my three daughters. That's so good. And sorry about the confusion there. I knew there was some at some point. I thought there was at some point your dad had passed or, or yeah, left or something. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah. We talked to so many people, but that yeah. So at 20 years old, your dad yeah, passed yeah. away, and yeah. I'm sure. And I was just talking to Julie Baumgartner about this because okay. she her her dad left when he was she was seventeen, okay. and so it, it's a little bit different whenever it's later in life when it happens. Um, and sometimes people cope with different methods. They they kind of cope with drug and alcohol addiction, or they cope with you know just different things because they're the healing because they had that relationship with that dad, and then it's hard to overcome that that absence. So how did you um, overcome that at twenty years old? And you didn't turn in a bad direction. You decided, I'm going to make this a positive thing. What, what helped you there? Well, you know, I had an older sister who was a daddy's girl. And then I had my mom. So I really had to try and take care of them. And I got Gary trying to help me take care of them, make sure they're okay. And then I went back to school. And I never really grieved my dad. I mean, I knew he was in heaven. And he was always working two or three jobs because we were really poor. And so part of me felt, well, at least he's in heaven now. He's getting rest. He's not dealing with a lot of stuff. But honestly, uh, Sean, I didn't deal with my dad's death. Um, mm. It wasn't until I was on a show with uh, Dennis Rainey and Bob Lapine for Family Life Today. Oh, gosh, somewhere between seven and 10 years ago. I can't remember. Um, well, it must, it must have been 10 years ago. Um, and we're doing this show, and I'm sharing some of my stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, Dennis Rainey read my first book, and he, and he says, you know, in your first book, you talk about your dad. He said, I know your dad's deceased now. I said, if your dad was here, what would you say to him? And then he goes to commercial uh, and comes back. Well, he's, I'm blown away, Sean. I'm I'm starting to weep. And then uh, 
Bob Lapine starting to tear up. I go to the bathroom. Dennis comes in and said, that's a really tough question for you. And I say, yeah, you know, uh, I never talked about my dad. And so I came back and said what I would have said to my dad. But that was the first time I really grieved and, and just really, it hit me. And then my friends who were listening to the show said, we were crying too, you know, but it was just, um, that was the first time I really grieved for my dad. So I, I had just sort of stuffed it and just kept going on with life because I didn't really know what to do. So that's kind of what happened. That's, that's kind of how I dealt with it. But I had some godly men, Gary Chapman. I had a guy named the late Bob Cook. His son and I played ball overseas with Sports Ambassadors, uh, which is kind of a mission organization. We play basketball around the globe and share the, and share the gospel at halftime. So his dad, uh, so so Bob Cook became a uh, a mentor for me or a father like figure, and then uh, a guy named um, uh, Gordon, uh, I forget I forget his name now, uh, Gordon Louts, who was involved in Prison Fellowship with Chuck Colson. So I've had some older men, and then Will Bill William Pinnell, professor at Fuller. So I've had some older godly men in their eighties and nineties who invested in me and who've really shaped me. And really helped me a lot. So that's that's kind of how I dealt with it, how I survived, I guess. Now, what would you, so people that are, you know, investing in kids, investing in um, individuals, what would you say to them, some of the things that worked for you uh, with Gary Chapman, you know, the different people that you mentioned, what did they do? What did they say? What, what are some things that they did to help your life? Well, uh, what they really did, they all, all these men modeled loving their wives. And then um, Bob uh, Cook, what he did, he said he never missed one of his son's basketball games. His son was an All-American from Wheaton College. Mm. And that really impacted me. So what I did as a dad, I tried to make sure I didn't miss any of my girls' games. And so I had three girls, and they played basketball, they ran track and played tennis. And so I tried not to miss any of their games. If I did, I think I did miss a few, but, the, but then I, if I did miss some, usually I had their permission to miss. But I very seldom asked for that permission. I always tried to get there, even at the very last minute. So that was really important to be there for them and for them to know they were more important than ministry. So um, so, so they really showed me a lot about being a dad and that a good dad you know, raises good kids and, and they have good kids. So how you treat your kids impacts your family positively or negatively to the next three or four generations. And they really sort of drove that home you know, to me. And tell us about your success. I mean, you, you've written how many how many books have you written i've written, written 10 books i you know I, I don't know if i'm successful i mean people say that but i, I would say it <laughs> I, I don't know um but you know uh people say what's like to write with gary chapman well he is so humble and he said this isn't my book or your book this is our book and so but i said the key to the fun of writing with him is spending time with him and we're talking and stuff and he said you want to write you want to ed edit or you want me to edit or whatever and he's just very laid back he's open to new ideas but just to be around these guys, you know, when Jesus discipled his guys, the apostles now, um, it, it was education, it was information and relationship. And so for me to be around these older men, it's, it's a lot about relationship. A lot of information I have, but I'm watching them model it to, the, to their wives and to their kids and to their grandkids. So, so I say that they showed that they lived it more than talked about it. Now you said you're you're a father figure to several guys. Talk about that. I mean, what what are the ages of those individuals, and and how are you impacting their life? Well, I have some in their early forties, uh, and I have one guy in his fifties. But you know, I, you know, I was riding with one guy, and he was saying this and this and this, and I said, well, you know, uh, have you ever considered this and this? And he said, um, 
He said, you sound like my dad. And I thought I'd offended him. I said, man, I'm so sorry. I wouldn't try to be your dad. Please forgive me. He said, no. He said, I wish I had a father like you to be my dad. He said, I love my father. My, my dad's not a Christian. I don't have a guy like that. And so I've had several men, one guy in his yeah, late 30s. And so I have guys who are different cultures, different races, um, but they're all growing in God. And, and some have their dads and some don't. But, they, but they've all said, we don't have a spiritual dad. Would you be our spiritual dad? And so when they do that, then I said, we got three sisters that you got to pray for and take time with. And, and so um, so I love them. I give them access to me. Uh, but then they'll say, hey, we talk to my friends. And so where I normally counsel and charge money, if it's their friend, it's like, I do it for free. But they bless me as well. They keep me young. They, they challenge me. Um, and we love each other. And we kind of learn from each other. But, it's, it's, but I invest wherever I have is theirs. And Gary Chapman said that to me. He said, he said, all that I have is yours. Mm. And and what the other thing he taught me is that, you know, you're going to be my disciple. It's a lifetime commitment. So to all these young spiritual guys in my life, spiritual sons, it's a lifetime commitment. I'm totally committed to them and their families and, and you know, stuff like that. So that's that's what I've learned, you know, from Gary and some of these other older men. That's that's so good. And and you're you're just taking what you had and you're pouring it into other people. Um, now, yeah. if there's somebody listening to this and they're like, Hey, I've ne- I have a kid I need to work with. Where were they? St- where, where do you recommend they start? Like, how do they build that relationship from the start? Well, you know, if God's put that on their heart, I, I would ask God, I'd say, Hey, you know, God, I really want to help someone. So I've seen this kid, give me wisdom, how to do this. Uh, what's the right time to do that? If, if it's a single mom, I would go to that mom and say, Hey, I've noticed your son, uh, I would love to spend time with him. That's okay with you. I'd like your permission. Uh, but with that, she may also want to do a background check. In this day and age, that's probably very appropriate. And so I would say you shouldn't be offended if she wants to do a background check. Or I would even offer, hey, if you want to do a background check, um, just let me know and I'll I'll be very willing to do that. Uh, so I, I think that's one way to get going. But I, I would meet the kid where they are. Just like Jesus met the Samaritan woman where she was. He went on her turf. He even allowed her to reject him, but he had staying power. But almost every young man I know wants to be with an older man, whether that's his a, a biological father or a father-like figure. I, I've never met a kid who didn't want to be with an older man. And so there's a real need for that. And there are a lot of fatherless kids, and so we need to be available to do that. Now, I love what you said about the wedding. Uh, Gary Chapman's grandson was getting married, and you said that. How does that make you feel? Um, what does that make you feel like? I'm sure it's special. It it made me feel like family. You know, uh, it's just like, um, they say, I want you here. And then the grandson was so cool. He said, uh, they were taking all these wedding pictures before the wedding. And the grandson said, Hey, I want both my uncles with me. And it's just me and Gary's, you know, son, Derek. So we were his two uncles. And so we took a picture with him and just, it, it's, Sean, I can't put into words, just made me feel feel like you know, I'm really part of the family. And Gary and I wrote, have written two books together uh, that I hope would help fathers. One is called Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions Brave Young Men Make. Mm-hmm. And young guys love going through that book with their dads. And we give it to Christian guys, non-Christian guys. And the non-Christian guys say, will say, hey, my son is so excited to go through this book. I said, well, he's really more excited to go through it with you and hear yeah. your story. And so I think uh, just being there, and loving them is not about perfection. It's just about consistency. And and kids are really resilient. So that's what we encourage people to do. So 
So that's, so yeah, I'm, I'm living out a lot of the Gary's invested in me and, and some of the older mentors that I mentioned earlier have invested in me. You turn around and do it in other people and, and you get blessed. Just last night, I uh, was looking at a Christmas card from my mentor. I have somebody, I have a gym, you have Gary, I have Jim. And mm-hmm. uh, I, we, I looked at their Christmas card and this is the first time it's ever happened. They listed, they had my kids on it and they listed mm. from them, you know, their family. And then it had my kids on it. And then it listed our family as part of their family with their name on it. And there's no blood relation, no marriage relation, but we're on their Christmas card. And for, for me, that was like, wow, that's, that was really special. Um, I mean, we spend time with them They're He's like my dad. And, but to explain yeah, that yeah. to other people, it's hard to explain it, but it, there was a lot leading up to when I'm 39 years old, I met them 24 years ago or almost 24 years ago. Um, explain more of the, the relationship process with you and Gary, you know, obviously there was more to it leading up to this. What are some things that he did over the years? Um, besides what you've already mentioned, what are some other things that he's, he did to invest in your life to get you to the point where you're at now with him? Well, you know, I, when our girls were born, we had twins. Our first children were actually twins. Um, and he wrote a letter to the twins and and he signed it, his wife signed it, and his son and daughter signed it. It's sort of like, you know, the Christmas cards you're talking about. And it was so cool. And then they would get, when they got to age, they were able to read it, it was pretty amazing. And we wrote about that in our book. In fact, that letter's in our, our second book about life-changing cross-cultural friendships. And so, but he was just always there. Uh, when my when my father died, he he came back from a conference to sit with us in the family. Um, when I was gone in Chicago, going to school at Moody, uh, he looked after my mom and my sister like they were family, and and he just he was just always there. But he he never pressed or forced things. But um, I would always do that. He he invested in us. He uh, invested in my kids' uh, college education, all three of them. Um, he said, I'll take care of their undergrad. He said, but their math extra degrees, that's on them. And but he's always been there. In fact, my wife was sitting down saying, and and he he invested in our ministry. And, and Brenda sat down, she said, Do you know how much money Gary's invested in our ministry over the years? And I was shocked by the figure she said. And uh, but then he's always there. I mean, he said, like when we were going overseas, we're in Spain and Portugal this year, went to Ukraine. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll take care of your overseas stuff, you know, as far as, you know, airfare and stuff. And so, which allows me the freedom to go to other people who can't afford to pay us. When we go do ministry, we can just go do ministry and our our expenses, you know, at least our travel and stuff is covered. So he's just always encouraging us. And since we wrote the book on life-changing cross-cultural friendships, um, and we're speaking together around the country, we've gotten so much closer. I mean, just this morning... Uh, I got an email from him. We've been asked to speak at Moody Bible Institute and Chapel mm-hmm. together and share our story. And and we we you know we just look out for each other. I say, is this a good day? Is this a good day? He said, I can do it this day. And so we do that. And so sometimes I'm his go-between for us speaking together. And we just kind of serve each other. Um, I was with him last week in, um, in North Carolina. His church was having a Christmas dinner, um, church dinner for the staff. And he said, hey, I want you to come. I said, I'm not really dressed. He said, no, you're coming. And it's just, and so I, I'm there and everybody knows me and we're kind of in receiving line of two of us. And it's, it's, Sean's just kind of cool. It's just neat. It's, it's family. And, and nobody in this church really looks like me. Very few people in church looks like me. I said, wow, God. But then God said, you know, you all have the same blood and you're exactly. all family. And so that was, that was a real big deal. 
that that's that's I love that. Thanks for sharing that because that's it, it's such a powerful story of how somebody just is willing to open their life up and say, "Hey, you're you're one of us," and, and I, yeah. I I love it. And especially today's day and age with so much racial division and stuff, he's just you know, you and him are both like, "Hey, it doesn't matter what we look like. We're we are one." Yeah, and yeah, he went through a lot. He 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 would never tell me, but his wife sat me down one time. I think I was in my thirties. And early 30s, she shares some of the rejection and stuff he went through because it wouldn't stop being my friend because not everyone mm-hmm. wanted to see me in the church that, that I was going to where he was at. I think I actually integrated that church and not everybody was excited about that. So he 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 sacrificed a lot. And this was before he was famous. You know, he went through a lot. We would not stop being my friend, which um, they just kind of endeared us to each other, I think. That's really good. Now, what are you seeing in your ministry in the issue of fatherlessness? I mean, you're speaking all over the world. What are some of the, some of the trends you're seeing with coming from fatherlessness or things you can speak about regarding the issue? Well, one of the biggest thing about fatherlessness is that God uses the father to help people have their gender identity. And a lot of times when people don't have a godly man in the home, they're really confused about who they are from a gender perspective. And then they become concerned who they are just in their identity, period. And so I do a lot of singles conferences, and that really comes up, and especially a lot of single girls who grew up without a dad, it makes a real big difference. They're not sure how to relate to men and stuff like that, and where a dad would typically try and help their daughters understand how men think, how women function, and stuff like that. So I think it's important. Uh, even, even guys who don't grow up with a dad, they're always trying to figure, well, how do I raise kids? Because I don't want to be like my dad, whether he's absentee or abusive or whatever, or just not there. Uh, how do I do that? So, so I think uh, when we talk about that, we really, we're really concerned about that. Uh, Jeff Shears and I uh, wrote a book called All Dads Should Know. And we talk about how dads raise kids differently from moms, and it helps really balance kids. You know, dads will come home and he'll pick the kids up sometimes, throw them up and stuff like that. And he teaches kids how to learn to control their emotions. Because usually mom, she might be in the kitchen cooking or doing stuff like that. And the child's doing homework. So when dad comes, everything changes. But then dad would go greet mom after the kids. And um, the kid would have to learn how to control his emotions, go back to doing homework or whatever. But it's just a whole difference how they're raised together. And they're really better, if, if possible, if they can have two pa- uh, two parents. And I'm not at all putting down single parents with their male dads or right. or, uh, or their uh, you know, female moms. But it's just the way God designed it, if possible, it's really great to have those two parents. But he definitely parents differently and he helps the daughter and the son uh, he tends to provide more security because if you talk about it most people and even most movies sean i don't know if this they're really based on the father you know if you almost every movie you look at how that child turns out is really impacted by his relationship or her relationship with, with their dad yeah hollywood thrives on it right it does it does yeah yeah so you know with this issue of fatherlessness. What are some things you've seen, you know, besides what we've already talked about, that have worked to help fatherless kids, uh, fatherless teenagers, young adults? Well, you know, big brother programs have really been good uh, for that. Uh, what we did, what we did in our church, Calvary, uh, Baptist back in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, what we did was um, the pastors really challenged the congregation to adopt, uh, you know, People you saw on Sundays if they didn't have a mom or a dad around, you know, kind of add them, have them come to have dinner with you on Sundays. And and just having that a place to belong was really, really important. Um, 
And so as I work with young kids in inner cities of Chicago and D.C., um, unintentionally, I, I saw as a basketball coach, I saw became their dads or, or big surrogate, big brothers, stuff like that. Sometimes I got to meet their dads and that really meant a lot to their dads that someone else is spending time with them. And because a dad, a lot of dads, um, Christian and non-Christian, have this misconception that my job is just to provide. And, and it's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's being there. And what I tell a lot of dads, Sean, is that our young men really need someone, a touch. And a father's touch or a touch from a male can be just as, a non-sexual touch from a male can be just as powerful as a mom's touch. And so I tell them to hug those guys, hug those teenagers. And so, um, and create a safe place where these guys can come talk to you about different things. So um, I think we need to reach out, uh, even take some initiative. We see young guys by themselves a lot. Say hello, ask them what their name, ask them what they're doing. And young people today really feel loved when we're not telling them what to do, but we're asking about what they're doing, what their dreams and goals are, and listen to them. That, that says to them that we care. So those are things I think we can help in the area of fatherlessness, because if we can turn that guy who may be without a dad and show him love from a male, then that guy, I can almost guarantee, is going to be a good dad. He's going to be concerned with being a father once he gets married and has kids. Now, talking to guys, one of the questions that we get when we speak at churches is, I didn't have a dad. How can mm -hmm. I be a good dad? Mm -hmm. And so, can you speak about that? I mean, setting up this call, I just talked to your your daughter. So, obviously, she's she's working with you. You know, you have, you have a good relationship with your kids. How how can a guy that didn't have a dad be a good dad? Well, you know, I, I think, one, you can, you can um, it's not rocket science. I would ask someone. I would look around, if you're in a church background, I would look around someone or a Christian organization, someone who seems to be successful as a dad uh, or some successful as a dad or a granddad. I ask them, how would you do that? A, a really great thing, though, too, Sean, is ask your kids, uh, how am I doing as dad? And, uh, and they will tell you. Uh, one thing I, I, at one point out, my girls made it through sports today, you're being too hard. And so it's important. We don't try to live our life through our kids, but, but I think another thing is listening. And so I learned to back up and, and, and be sensitive to them and communicate with them. Uh, but we, but I think also go back and look at things your dad did well, if you had a dad and, and maybe some things he didn't do as well. Like, for example, my dad never told me he loved me. So one of the things I do with my girls is try to always tell them I love them, especially when I'm late. Yeah. So so I think that's important. I text my girls throughout the day, you know, and say, especially when we're younger in college, hey, I love you, thinking about you. So I think I would ask someone what's like to be a dad. I would talk to my my kids who are there, you know, how I can be a dad. Um, I would ask them, you know, what's some things we can do together? What's some things you'd like us to do together? So they are buying in and you're spending that time because, Sean, our, our kids and our, our spouses spell love, T-I-M-E. And so if we understand that, that's really most important. So, so I would just ask, are there books on fathering um, that you can look and read? Uh, but, but then, you know, become a student of your child. Mm. You know, really become a student. Uh, another thing, I, I would encourage you, if you're a Christian background, pray with your kids. Um, because kids will pray about what's most important to them. And as they're praying about what's most important, they're actually telling you how to be a dad to them, what, what they need from you. Mm -hmm. And then you pray with them and it just kind of builds that relationship. Uh, so I think those are some good things that I would do. And um, when you have time off, uh, really spend that time with your wife and kids. You know, don't, don't be an absentee. Don't, at one point, 
even working as a Christian, I was a ghost dad. I was gone all the time. And so I would just encourage them to really figure out how to spend time. Even when we spend more time at work than with our family, we want to make sure that we have quantity time with our kids because quality time comes out of our quantity time with our kids. So, so be there and listen and, uh, and learn and then, um, you know, share appropriately, uh, you know, with them, you know. What about being a good spouse? What about being a good husband or, you know, in relationships with your spouse? Because sometimes there's, you have a hard time relating to your spouse because, you know, you didn't see that. What would you speak to somebody like that? Well, first I want to say, and I hope it's not the case, but there is a case for some people. Some some dads are divorced, you know, from from their spouses and they're sharing custody. The first thing I would say with that, do not say anything negative about the other spouse. Mm, yeah. Your kids can see what's going on, but if you say something negative, then you force them to choose sides. So showing tremendous integrity is never if you can't say anything good, don't say anything bad. You know, just 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 leave it alone. If they ask you, then be fair, but but don't do that. Um, and then I, I think the, my mind has went blank. Um, w- w- repeat the question for me again. Um, what would you say to spouses that didn't have oh, a dad growing spouses. up? Well, I think we need to love our spouse. Um, we need to love God first, love our spouse and then love the kids. And then our job and ministry comes after that. And how we love our spouse typically gives our kids, uh, security. I remember my girls were little, and in this community, I think a lot of their friends or some of their friends, their parents were getting divorced. In our house, we have two stories in a full basement. And Brenda was up on the top floor. I was in the basement. So I'm as they're coming in the door, I'm yelling at her about something, but I'm not mad. I'm just yelling because of the distance. And one of them said, you guys aren't getting divorced, are you? I said, no, no, she's just up there and I'm just yelling. So I, I immediately came up, lowered my voice and had that conversation. So how we treat our spouses really gives our um, our kids security. How we treat our spouses actually teaches our spouses how to relate to the opposite sex. And I think it's important that they see mom and dad kissing each other and hugging each other because then they learn affection from, from mom and dad. And if mom and dad have conflict in front of the kids, then I think you need to resolve that conflict in front of the kids so the kids learn to have conflict. Now, I'm not telling you you need to fight in front of your kids, but some... Because some people, my parents, we never saw any conflict. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But if you do have conflict in front of them, need to see you guys come together and resolve that conflict. Do you have any other books? You said you've written several books. Is there any other resources for uh, that you've written for individuals that could they could use it, listen to this, like Fodless or Dads or Single Moms? Well, uh, well, in our in our book with Jeff Shears, uh, What All Dads Should Know is I think it's a really great book because I think we get our truth from the Lord. But uh, Jeff's a really good researcher, one of the best in the world in the fatherhood field. But one of the things we, we, we tell dads how to kind of go through a self-examination and evaluate where they are and how they are and why they are the way they are and what things they may need to change. Uh, after every chapter, there's questions where they can kind of process. Mm-hmm. There's also questions they can actually talk to their kids about in relationships. We talked about uh, biological parents being together. We also talk about blended families in that book. It's one of the few books on fathering where we actually talk about blended marriage and blended family, how that something that can work. Jeff shares from his own experience in regards to that. Um, when we talk about being a father for sons and also for daughters, so I think it's a great resource, but we also, in that book, we encourage, and also in the book with Gary Chapman, uh, Choose Greatness, 
we encourage single moms to really check out any man that's going to be spending time with their sons. I, I think it's really important, and, and, and that's so important. We tell them how to go to church uh, and talk to a pastor or elders or deacons, whatever, in leadership in regards to individual uh, who's going to be like a surrogate dad or, or, or you know, a father figure to their son. And when I pastored, that was really important because we had people who— um, couldn't have kids. And so we talked about relating to other folks who did have babies who they want to spend time with. So we would put people together and some of those couples would kind of relieve the single mom when she came to work. They would take her child and then she would have a couple hours to herself. And uh, so we did things like that, you know, with, with the mom's permission. I think it's great advice. And I, I just really appreciate you being on, Clarence. I think, thanks for sharing that. Is there anything else that you can think of that you want to talk about fatherlessness or share before we wrap up? Well, you know, it's like when I've done prison ministry, I have been amazed as I work with uh, teenage guys in prison or older men, they would give almost anything to know who their dad was. They would give almost anything to spend, which they could spend time with their dad. And they really love their kids who are outside and, and really want the best for them. So, so the fathering thing is a really big thing. It's really important. Uh, I would really encourage pastors to really begin to preach on, you know, preach through the Bible and talk about how to be a good dad, how to be a godly dad, uh, because there are fatherless kids in church. And even the guys who are parenting, we still need help with how to be a good dad. So if pastors would take time and, and preach, you know, in Genesis gives us a great example of what, what godly men should not do as fathers, because a lot of those guys and leaders, they were godly men, but they weren't great fathers. And so I think there's a lot we can learn from that from scriptures, but it helps us learn how to relate and be better dads. So uh, that's a real big thing. I, I would love to see pastors encourage and preach about fatherhood, uh, how to be a good spouse, preach about marriage, because all these things impact the young guys growing up. And if we want to have great fathers, we got to have great young men singles so they learn how to date and then be good husbands and then become good fathers. So I think we need to I think church needs to kind of go back to the drawing board and set up a plan how we can have great fathers. In the process, we lower a fatherlessness because we really elevate that in a way that I think glorifies God. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today. Uh, you've given a lot of great information, a lot of advice, and I, I really I think your information is, is going to be helpful for, to our listeners. Would you share where they can find more information about you, social media, websites such as that? Well, they can find me on Instagram, uh, thanks to my daughter, but they also go to my website, which is just my name, ClarenceShuler.com. There's no C in my last name, it's just Clarence Shuler. And the first name is not Clarence, it's Clarence. And so it's ClarenceShuler.com. A lot of free videos of my books are there, but just a ton of teaching videos on relationships that I think they might enjoy. And there's stuff for singles as well. That's so good. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today. We really appreciate it. Well, Sean, thanks for having me. I, I, I love being with you. It's a great time today. Thank you. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fodlessness. We want to now challenge you to take the next step by e either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is, the one thing they're lacking is that community, just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation 
everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And, and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. If your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today.